The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Friday afternoon on What's On Your Mind Friday. Here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us here as we head into the weekend. And uh, my friends, it's 95 days away, 95, 95 days away. That's right, 95 days to the November 8th midterm elections, and we will continue to do our best here on the Mike Douglas Show as we're live and local to bring you as much information as possible so that you can make informed, intelligent, and rational decisions regarding those you vote for and the propositions that you'll be looking at as well. We've got a lot to cover in uh, in 95 days. By the way, that equates to 2,280 hours 136,800 minutes, and 8,208,000 seconds. I don't know, I think 95 days sounds better. So we will uh, continue to do our job here to provide you with much, as much information as possible leading up to uh, the November 22, uh, 2022 election. Again, my, my sense is it's going to be a tipping point. Not only for California, but the nation. Not a light switch. Not a light switch that goes on and off. No, I I think it's going to be a tipping point that will hopefully begin to tip the nation back to ethical and moral and logical and constitutionally based decisions. We'll see. And it's up to you and me really is, again, uh, coming up in uh, 95 days. Well, yesterday we mentioned that the new DA in San Francisco has been uh, apparently uh, doing a good job, Brooke Jenkins. Uh, she's saying, we are we're going to enforce the law. And Chase Bodine, of course, uh, the DA who had been recalled, had been quiet let's say, or un, uh, non-committal regarding whether or not he would run again for his office come November. And uh, he has confirmed he will not be running for his office this fall. I, I, can't, uh, I can't imagine why he would. I just... I, can, I mean, why would you do that? It, it would take an act of extreme arrogance... And I know, I know, he, he probably has that, but uh, it would have taken an extreme, and not only an act of extreme arrogance, but an act of totally, totally being tone deaf to the community. Don't you think? So, D.A. Chase Bodine, former D.A., recall D.A. Chase Bodine, will not be running against uh, D.A. Brooke Jenkins, who has uh, replaced him for the time being. In November, uh, just a, uh, a here's a quick note. By the way, those of you who um, may find stray dogs in Stanislaus County, 
The uh, Stanislaus Animal Services Agency has temporarily suspended its stray animal intake. I suppose that could include include cats and beavers and skunks and squirrels and all of that. But anyway, apparently uh, the agency has been hit with a highly infectious disease known as strep zoo. It's been found in the shelter. They, it's a respiratory illness, apparently, can spread quickly among dogs and is often fatal. So they're saying for the time being, uh, they will not accept stray dogs at the shelter for twenty up to 21 days. So they say all the dogs there have been, have been treated. And uh, they are healthy there. And adoption is also being encouraged. I don't know. Would you feel, <clears throat> what, what's the uh, scientific name of, of this? I'll probably mess it up. I need my nurse practitioner wife who speaks medical language here. Streptococcus zooepidemicus. I did my best. Strepo, streptococcus zooepidemicus. I don't know. I'll I'll go with strep zoo. And is there any way if if you have stray dogs or other animals you want to take to the shelter? Apparently, they're saying do not bring them for up to 21 days. So there's a a note for uh, those of you in Stanislaus County. It is what's on your mind Friday here on the Mike Douglas Show. As you know, Monday through Thursday, we like to keep the calls focused on the issues that we're talking about on Friday. As we head into the weekend, we relax things a little bit, kick back a bit. And as long as I have the coffee here, it's nice, hot in my mug, why the show will continue. No coffee, no show. But fortunately, the coffee is ready and we're ready to roll. So what's on your mind today on What's on Your Mind Friday? Our phone number here, 209-551-3483. You're welcome to call with topics maybe that we have not talked about that you would like to opine about. Or if uh, you haven't been able to weigh in on a topic that we talked about earlier today, you're welcome to do that on Fridays. Again, uh, our number here, 209-551-3483-209-551-3483. A sad note here. Have you seen the video of that car in Los Angeles that shot through an intersection? It looked like it. It looked like it uh, was a missile. Unbelievable. Uh, th- and this occurred down at uh, downtown LA, La Brea and Slauson, just southwest of downtown LA. About uh, six or so vehicles were involved. I understand uh, six people have uh, been confirmed dead, including an unborn baby and uh, and an infant. But if you watch that, it, it's amazing. The, the light was red, and this car just shoots through that. I mean, it was just, you know it's not going 50 miles an hour or even 60 miles an hour. This thing does look like it was shot out of a cannon, like a rocket-propelled grenade that you see in the movies. Well, CHP is now saying, according to Fox News in L.A., 
the person driving that car, six people died, but the driver of the car, the suspect, survived, is in the hospital. Uh, and she is 37-year-old Nicole Linton. She was a driver of a Mercedes, and she's been arrested in custody in the hospital, and they are charging her with vehicular homicide. Investigators say, unbelievable here, investigators say she was going over 100 miles per hour when she ran that red light. Again, killing six, including a a pregnant woman and... uh, and an infant, and uh, and with that, uh, some uh, a sad footnote as well to the uh, news earlier this week: uh, the fatal crash involving uh, U.S. Congresswoman Jackie Walorski and uh, two of her uh, employees. If you remember that uh, that a crash that occurred in Indianapolis, they're now saying that her SUV was driven by Zachary Potts, uh, 27. Uh, Zachary uh, was uh, her district director and the Republican chairman for northern Indiana, St. Joseph's County. He was actually driving the call. It's presumed that uh, Congresswoman Walorski was in the front passenger seat in the back. Uh, They assume was Emma Thompson, 28, of Washington, D.C., who was Walorski's communications director. That that just uh, so sad. And who they don't know what happened, or at least uh, the investigators have not uh, been able to arrive at that uh, decision yet. But apparently uh, he was the one who was driving. He was the one who crossed uh, the barriers. So a very uh, sad footnote uh, to that particular story. Those of you... Uh, you know Anthony Canella in our area. He is the former mayor of Ceres. He's also uh, has been a state senator for California as well. He's been reappointed to the Little Hoover Commission. Anthony Canella, nice guy, uh, previously served again on the state watchdog panel as a member of the legislature. He's appointed for a four-year term starting in January of 2023. There are nine public members and four legislators on that commission. Now, what does the Little Hoover Commission do? Well, its job is uh, to make recommendations to the governor and lawmakers for improving state government. So I guess my question is, does the governor and do our lawmakers listen to the Little Hoover Commission. <laughs> that remains to be seen. I'm glad to see uh, Anthony Canella on there, uh, a good man. Let me tell you about another good man. His name is Dan Phipps. Interest rate hikes, they're slowing home price growth right now in some areas, but you can still get top dollar for your home right now with Dan Phipps. You're worried about costly repairs to your home or upgrades needed to sell it, I would be for our home here. Well, if you are, then I recommend you call Dan Phipps. Dan will sell your house for for free 
If he doesn't get multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, his home selling program, it's designed to maximize your sales price. Love the terms here. No required costly repairs. You pick your move date, and Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Melody in Oakdale knows all about it. She needed to sell quickly, didn't have the time or money to do a whole bunch of repairs and upgrades that might have been needed. Dad, Dan said, no problem. We can sell it as is. And he did. In fact, he sold Melody's home with no repairs for an amazing price. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I'd recommend. Guaranteeing multiple offers in 72 hours or your home is sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. We'll continue with What's on Your Mind Friday, uh, 209-551-3483, as the Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes, right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show on What's On Your Mind Friday, 209-551-3483. Our phone number here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, thinking back to that, that crash in L.A., and I, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's mind-blowing. It is actually mind-blowing. In fact, I thought, did they speed this up? Uh, no, 100 miles an hour, this 37-year-old woman blowing a red light. And it, it brings to mind a couple things uh, to me. And one is it, it, it keeps me... It, it, it keeps me reassessing what's important because we can get wrapped around the axle over a, a lot of things that are worth getting wrapped around the axle over, uh, like the, uh, the abuse of authority and government, uh, like many of the issues that face us today, like many of the, uh, uh, the woke tenants that are destroying things that we know to be true and valuable and uh, but it, it 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 also reminds me, and this is something. And I uh, I know some of you are going to say, "Oh, come on, Mike, don't get mushy here." But uh, you know, my my wife and I always make it a habit, and and both of us, you know, she serves in the the medical field. I've served in law enforcement and fire and rescue, and we've uh, we've both seen um, a lot of phases of death uh, over the years. Uh, we we don't depart from each other, leave for work or uh, whatever it might be, without telling each other that we love each other. And it's it's just you never know, you never know. And uh, the other thing that and this I'm going to put my pastoral hat on here for a second. It's also a reminder to keep short accounts. You know what I mean by that? Uh, to some people. Go through life with a mad on. Do you know anybody who goes through life with a mad on? I, I just, I don't know. It it takes a lot. I've heard that it takes a lot more muscles uh, in the face to frown and be grumpy than it does to smile and be happy. But theologically and, and just in terms of general health, 
going around and being uh, on edge all the time and making people's lives miserable by criticizing them and finding fault with every little thing and just be being Johnny Dark Cloud or Jenny Dark Cloud is, and no offense to anyone named John or Jenny here. I was just trying to be alliterative, but, but it, it does bring to mind what do we leave in our in our wake? I um, co-officiated a memorial service for a, a good friend of ours uh, this past weekend, and what she left in her wake was amazing. She was what we called a prayer warrior. Uh, regardless if you were a person of faith, she was praying for you. And even as she was unable to communicate, she was uh, on a feeding tube and uh, had acquired Parkinson's. And uh, in that last chapter of her life, it was very difficult. But as, as she was beset by all these medical concerns, she was actively praying for other people. And I would, uh, when when she was able to. Um, come to worship services. She'd be in a wheelchair, and her dutiful husband would uh, get her in and out of the wheelchair and set her in the pews. And she's very, very frail. And I'd say, you know, we, we, we pray for you consistently. She's, oh, I'm, I'm praying for you. It, it, that, can you imagine what she leaves in her wake? And I think about people that... <laughs> So, well, some celebrities that we see on television, uh, some commentators. I'm hoping that what I leave in my wake is positive. And it doesn't mean that we go around and we be ridiculously positive about, about everything, like we're tiptoeing through the tulips high on funny green leafy things. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I think there is a point that we need to address things, we need to announce what's true, we need to confront things that need to be confronted. That's all part of the human assignment. But in by and large, we also need to make sure that we affirm people, that we uh, hold them up, that we be encouragers to people. And I, I try my best to do that, not in a fake way, in a phony way, but in a, in a real way. And it just brings to mind these, these two tragedies, these two big traffic, fatal traffic accidents that, that we've heard about this week, how important it is to take, take note of what we're leaving in our wake. And again, yes, we need to address issues. We need to be critical of things that need to be looked at with a critical eye. But th there are people, aren't there? I... I have run across quite a few in my life who spread it. It's like a, a dark cloud is around them and they do their best to make sure everyone experiences that dark cloud with them. Well, th there, there is therapeutic value in sharing your burdens. I earlier this week, I mentioned to you about my eye surgery. I haven't mentioned it really since because I don't want to burden you with it. But also, you are friends, I think. <laughs> and you, you do me the great honor and courtesy of listening to the show. Many of you for two hours a day, if not you know, partial hours. And so I feel that I owe it to you just to let you know what's going on, but I don't want to inundate you with things. 
So at the end of the week, I would just say as, as a, a matter of being uplifting and, and saying something positive, the sight in my right eye is now up to about 75%, and it's healing much quicker than my left eye did, and I'm very thankful. I'm very grateful for that. And I think we need to find things in life that we need to announce, not only to ourselves, but announce out loud to others. You know what? I'm grateful for this. I, uh, I, I feel that I'm blessed by this particular thing. And I also think it's important to let other people know when you've been blessed by them. I try to do that myself. And uh, I don't, don't always succeed. But by and large, again, it, it comes back to we never know when that car at 100 miles an hour may be coming through our intersection or that that SUV may be crossing the line. And uh, as you know, I'm a man of faith. Uh, I'm a, a pastor, but that's not a... That's not a hierarchy thing. It happens to be my role within uh, the body of Christ. That's my role. But as a man of faith, I pray for people. I pray for my wife when she's out on the roadway all the time. People are nuts out there. You've been out there. Some of you are professional drivers. You've, you've told me that as we've uh, talked throughout the weeks and months and, and past two years. People are nuts out there. The, the driving acumen is not improving, is it? And then when it comes to, and we saw that with this uh, case recently of this man that has been uh, sentenced to 120 years, I think, right? 120 years to life for crashing uh, after uh, at least seven beers into a house in series after a barbecue at his own house. He had no business driving inebriated, but he killed some people. And so we never know. So my encouragement, my encouragement to you, I never tell you what to do, but my encouragement to you, and I do my best to be not hypocritical about this, is to balance things in life. Let's not just dwell on the negative and bring everyone else down with us, but let's also accentuate the positive, as the song goes, and give those kudos when they're deserved. All right, more kudos coming up. What's on your mind Friday? Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360, KFIV, back in five minutes. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation. Here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on What's On Your Mind Friday. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Fridays, we relax a little bit, kick back. Again, Monday through Thursday, I like to keep in the in the lane of the topics we're talking about. But on Fridays, if there's a topic you'd like to talk about that we have not, why, today's the day. And if you'd like to weigh in on a subject we talked about earlier in the week, but you weren't able to do that, Again, today's a fine day to do that on What's on Your Mind Friday. Again, our phone number, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. How about San Bernardino? Have you spent 
time in San Bernardino, well, growing up in Southern California now, I was, I was from the San Gabriel Valley, which is uh, a, a fair distance away from San Berdu, as we used to say, San Bernardino. I, I, I saw this story, uh, oh, maybe a week or two ago, and I, I didn't even bring it up because I thought, nah, this is a whim. I'm not going to give that much, uh, much thought. But <laughs> listen to this. Voters in San Bernardino County apparently will have the chance to decide in November whether they potentially want to secede from the state of California. It's going to be on the ballot. Can you believe that? Yeah, San Bernardino County's Board of Supervisors voted four to nothing on Wednesday, uh, unanimously voted four to nothing on Wednesday to put secession from California on the measure on the 2022 ballot. Apparently, one supervisor was absent and uh, their vote didn't count. So, and here's the wording. Here's the wording. Do And this will be on the ballot on November 8th. Quote, Do the citizens of San Bernardino County want the San Bernardino County Board of Supervisors to study all options to obtain its fair share of state and federal resources up to and including secession? Question mark. End quote. Wow, they must, they must have... They've had it. And I'm thinking as Governor Gavin Newsom now, and and we all know he has his eye on the White House in 2024. I think that's obvious. I don't think there's any question about that at this point. Uh, Here's here's something that whoever may be running against him in the the Democratic primaries might want to point out. Even San Bernardino County is saying we we're ready to look at possibly seceding from the state. Now it's not that they're jumping up and down and and doing high fives over this. Uh, the report from Southern California from the AP is they aren't all enthusiastic supporters of secession. Uh, Supervisor Joe Baca Jr. says he really is against splitting from the state, but he's interested in studying whether the county and its residents owed more or are owed more state and federal funds than they currently receive. So apparently there's a dollar issue here. Supervisor Baca is saying, we think the state, had no pun intended, has shortchanged us. So, let's see, what it is. He says, uh, I, I do think we have to look at anything we can do to enhance services for our residents. I'm not in favor of seceding. I'm proud to be from California. I love California. But he was, I believe, one of the ones that voted for this. Uh, the and, and what originally caught my attention about this, this idea was originally brought to the County Board of Supervisors by a real estate developer named Jeff Burham on July 26, not too long ago. So let's say that all options are looked at and San Bernardino County says, we just have had it. We don't see any way to reconcile issues with the state of California. We're going to vote to secede. 
that doesn't mean they can secede. It would also require the approval of the California legislature, to my understanding, and the United States Congress. Now, I'm going way back in the resources of my mind here, and I think there are some caveats to both of those. I don't have those on hand at the moment. But uh, I know that the California legislature and the U.S. Congress both have a, a voice in that. Now, there's uh, a county spokesman named David Wirt, and uh, they're uh, conducting a per capita comparison of federal, federal and state revenue received by California counties, and they're looking at whether or not they've uh, received their fair share, apparently, And uh, then there's, uh, let's see, a quote here from board chairman Kurt Hagman. He says, if the worst thing that comes out of this is a study that will be ammunition for our state representatives to fight for, for more money for us, that would be acceptable. All right, so again, it looks like the big deal here are the dollar signs. How big is San Bernardino County? Well, about 2.1 million people in San Bernardino County, and it's the fifth most populous county in California. And uh, by area, apparently the largest county in the nation. It's physically bigger than Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, and Rhode Island all combined. Isn't that uh, isn't that amazing? So, uh, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> what do you think about that? Do you think they're serious, or is it just about the dollars? It's a big thing. And, and again, it's not saying we're we're just going to succeed, uh, succeed, and that's it. They're they're saying we want to study all options so that we can obtain our fair share of state and federal resources. I'm assuming that mostly means dollar signs up to and including secession. But secession is in there. So if your county board of supervisors voted like San Bernardino County to put this on the November 8 ballot, would you vote for your county to to secede from the state of California? Hmm? 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. The question then becomes, where do you go? If you secede from California, where do you go as a county? You can't be your own nation. That's not going to work in terms of you don't have your own army. Uh, you don't have, I mean, there are a lot of things you know. You can't become your own country. So who who would you go become part of? I know that's not grammatical, but you uh, you catch the idea. So what do you think? Would would you would you <laughs> if this was on your county's ballot on November eight, it will be on the ballot for San Bernardino County. Would you vote to say yes if you were in San Bernardino County, or maybe it's your county? Would you vote yes? We want to secede. 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. The only caveat here is we, we don't want you seceding from the Mike Douglas show. That, that, would not, 
that would not be good. That would not be a good thing. That would not uh, make us uh, that real pleased. We we would be mortified if you voted to secede from the Mike Douglas show. I, I'm just amazed that a board, a county board, and this isn't any small county. This is a big county geographically. It has a lot of people in it. I can't believe they actually voted to put this on the ballot. Um, amazing. Little update here on Brittany Griner. I know we spent some time talking about this whole deal earlier this week. Apparently, the update now is that Moscow, and by the way, it is Moscow, not Moscow. Anyway, Moscow is ready to discuss a prisoner swap now for a WNBA star Brittany Griner and Marine Corps veteran. Paul Whelan, and that's according to the Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Well, Sergei Lavrov made that comment today, apparently, and this is right after a Russian court found uh, Brittany Griner guilty on the drug charges, and as you know, she's been sentenced to nine years in prison. Caught, allegedly, in uh, possession of a little vape cartridge with some traces of hashish oil in it, apparently. Now, this uh, Whalen man, Marine Corps veteran Paul Whalen, he's 52 uh, years old. He's a corporate security executive. Now, this is interesting. He was arrested in Moscow in uh, December of 2018, a couple years ago. What was he accused of? He was accused of receiving and possessing a USB drive with classified information. And so Russian authorities formally charged him with espionage. Now, he was sentenced to and is serving 16 years in prison starting in June 2020. Now, his lawyers and his family say that the Ruskies set him up, that the Russian intelligence set him up. He didn't know the device contained classified information. It didn't say here in this story that he didn't know the device was there. I don't know that, well, if he's, I don't know if he was there on business. If he was there on business, he probably needs a, uh, a little thumb USB drive. But if I was just going to Russia to visit, which I would not do in today's world, I don't know that I would take a USB drive with me. But maybe maybe he was on the clock, so to speak. So uh, that's, uh, that's apparently Moscow is saying, at least through its uh, foreign minister, they are willing uh, to make a deal here. Uh, remember uh, former Marine Trevor Reed? Remember that? He was uh, imprisoned in 20, I think it was 2019. And he got released uh, in April. Moscow exchanged him for Konstantin Yaroshenko. And he was a Russian citizen serving a 20-year sentence after being found guilty of conspiracy to smuggle more than $100 million worth of cocaine into the U.S., now, Mr. Reed is saying, let's go, Biden administration. Let's do this. Let's complete the prisoner swap. 
But I think it's a, a slightly different dynamic in terms of apples and oranges, so to speak. I mean, here, what we're talking about here, at least uh, the current deal, is the, the, the swap is going to be for an international arms dealer, basically a, a terrorist, uh, a, a murderous international arms dealer. This isn't a guy that's bringing drugs into the U.S., even if it is a million dollars worth of cocaine. I mean, to me, if that's the issue, yeah, Yaroshenko, go back to Russia and take your million dollars worth of cocaine value with you. Well, this is different. We're, we're talking about a, a, a t- hasn't been officially labeled a terrorist, so I don't know how this is uh, how this is going to turn out. Uh, again, my my sense is we don't leave Americans in foreign lands, even if they have made less than brilliant decisions. And certainly, Britain, Brittany Griner did make a less than brilliant decision. Well, let's make a let's make a brilliant decision here. Let's be back in three minutes on what's on your mind Friday. Our number two zero nine five five one three four eight three. The Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from three till five. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow thirteen sixty KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show on What's On Your Mind Friday. And to uh, tell us what's on your mind, the phone number 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Again, on Fridays, we kind of kick, kick back here, relax a little bit. And if there's a topic we haven't talked about uh, this week, uh, Friday's the day that you can bring up your topic or comment on a topic that we talked about earlier. Again, our phone number, 209-551-3483. This is interesting. I think, I think Axios put this out. Uh, if I'm wrong on that, I'll, I'll correct it later. But uh, they've done a poll, not, not a poll, they've done some research on major Democratic voices and whether they think that President Biden should run for re-election in 2024. It's very interesting. As of, let's see, August 4, that's yesterday, there are two uh, members of Congress that have said, no, Joe Biden should not run in 2024. Uh, Let's see, it'd be Representative Angie Craig, Democrat from Minnesota, and uh, Representative Dean Phillips, also from Minnesota. That's that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, should Biden run in 2024? No. Two, two say no. Yes, there's, uh, there's a whole list of, uh, of leaders that say he should run, the president should run in 2024. I'm looking for... <coughs> Excuse me, I'm looking for um, names that we might recognize here. Uh, From California, uh, Representative uh, Jim Costa says, yes, the president should run in 2024. Uh, Let's see, any others from California? I don't think so. Looking, uh, Here's some other names that we know, though. Uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar says, yes, he should run. Uh, Independent Socialist. 
Senator Bernie Sanders says yes, from Vermont says yes, Joe Biden should run in 2024. Uh, Chuck Schumer is saying yes, yes, he should run in. Uh, so does uh, Cory Booker and Senator Elizabeth Warren and uh, the governor of uh, Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, says yes. President Biden should run again in 2024. Now, there's uh, not quite as long a list, but almost, uh, quite a list of uh, major Democratic leaders who are iffy on the subject. They're tap-dancing around the issue. That includes Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. And let's see, who else would we... Oh, Representative Jerry Nadler. He's not making a commitment there. Uh, neither is from California, Senator Dianne Feinstein. She's not making a commitment one way or the other. Neither is Senator Joe Manchin, who has commitment issues there. Uh, John Fetterman, who's running against Dr. Oz for the governor of Pennsylvania. He uh, He's... He's not making a statement. Uh, I don't think he would. I don't think that would be smart. Do you? And let's see, who else is? Uh, oh, Senator Tim Kaine uh, gets a lot of press. Uh, Democrat from Virginia. So they're going to be, this is very interesting to watch and see who will continue to um, tap dance around the subject. And uh, those who will say, yes, we think that, um, I mean, he is the head of their party. Right. As Democrats, it is interesting to me that so many of them are are dodging the question and, and two of them are saying definitely uh, no. Well, we talked a few moments ago about the fact that the replacement for Chesa Bodine in San Francisco, D.A. Jenkins doing a great job. And uh, Chesa Bodine has finally said, no, I'm not running for D.A. again. In November 2022, which, as I remind you, is 95 days away. George Goscone, the recall effort there, the county registrar in Los Angeles, has 12 more days maximum to uh, get through the 715,833 signatures and verify that uh, they have enough valid signatures, and I think they have to have 79%, to trigger a recall election. So if uh, if that happens, if they verify the uh, correct and uh, a number of signatures there, uh, it would, um, well, apparently it could either make November 2022 or a special election later. Now, Goscone unlike a chase of Bodine is not uh, it's not a case where there's nobody running against him he already has people who are lining up to uh, to run against him so uh, Gascon should that come up should they get the required number certify the required number of signatures Gascon will be um, will be running against uh, some other DA candidates for that recall. Very uh, interesting to see how that is going to turn out as well. It's a fascinating things going on in Southern California. Uh, the recall of uh, their DA in Los Angeles, George Goscone, 
and then San Bernardino County saying, we're not happy with the state. We might even want to secede. We'll see what happens with that. We'll have more of What's on Your Mind Friday coming up in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show after news, weather, and traffic on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love. Talking about the issues that are important to you. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to What's on Your Mind Friday here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, hour number two of the Mike Douglas Show today. And again, on What's on Your Mind Friday, if something's on your mind and you uh, you haven't been able to express it the rest of the week, why, Friday's the day to do that. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Well, down Fresno Way, we're talking about my surprise not shock, but surprise that the San Bernardino Board of Supervisors actually voted uh, four to nothing unanimously to potentially secede from the state of California to put that on the ballot for the voters to to vote on in uh, November 2022. By the way, as as a reminder, as a reminder, November 8, 2022, the midterm election one that I think is a tipping point for the state and the nation, is 95 days, 2,280 hours, 136, 800 minutes, and 8,208,000 seconds away. And we're going to make all of those 8,208,000 seconds count here on the Mike Douglas Show as we do our best to prepare you to be an informed and intelligent voter. Uh, come 90, 95 days from now. Well, thinking about San Bernardino County, I saw this about Fresno. Fresno City Council had some drama, apparently, this week. Uh, Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer apparently called a council member named Gary uh, Bredefeld and told him to F off on the phone call. Yeah, seriously. The mayor apparently confirmed that conversation uh, yesterday through his communications director. Apparently what spawned all of this was uh, uh, the conversation occurred Monday afternoon after it was reported that Mayor Dyer withdrew the city from a proposed state pilot program that would have allowed some bars to remain open until 4 a.m., I've uh, I've seen that bantied about. I think that is the most idiotic idea there is. Bad enough that they're open until 2 a.m. Okay, we can deal with it until 4 a.m. Pity the cops that are on duty on what we used to call the graveyard shift. Uh, that's different now, isn't it? When I was on shifts, it, it, that, that was back in the days when we had eight-hour shifts. There, there were some departments that had gone to what they call four tens, four days a week, uh, 10-hour shifts. That's all different now. But anyway, I used to work the, the graveyard shift. But anyway, 
pity those officers that are working uh, those early morning shifts because uh, they're going to have to deal with all the drunk drivers who have an extra two hours to uh, uh, to get into accidents and injure people. Anyway, uh, the um, councilman apparently opposed the pilot problem from the beginning, and he criticized the mayor for supporting the program in the first place. So Dyer and, and Bredefeld apparently had a heated conversation over the phone, and the mayor raised his voice, according to the city's communications director. She said they eventually calmed down, and the mayor apologized for raising his voice. Uh, the communications director said, for the mayor and his perspective, he told Gary that he's working hard to move the city forward and that constant attacks in the media and on social media are just a distraction. Apparently, the phone call ended after 17 minutes and they were calm. So apparently, uh, the mayor had told the uh, council member to uh, F off on the phone. Well, not nice. Now, let me ask you something about that. As you know, I was thinking about this past couple of days. As you know, when on the rare occasions when I actually have some spare time in in the wee hours of the morning, I will watch, as you know, I'm an aficionado of, of good cop shows. And what do I mean by a good cop show? That is a cop show where you can relate to the characters and at least they conduct themselves with some decent uh, relation to reality of how cops actually act. Now, we know that it has to be dramatic and and it's all contrived. Well, of course it is. But there are some police shows, crime dramas that are better than others. There are some whose main characters I can't relate to and are to my in my opinion are totally unbelievable as law enforcement officers. I don't watch them. But I those that have characters that that they're I feel you can relate to and that uh seem to operate in in a way that I remember from uh my cop days why I I like to watch them. And so there's two sh- well there's one show that I've followed uh, for quite a while now, Bosch, B-O-S-C-H. Anybody follow that? And you find it on uh, Amazon Prime, I think. I've watched all the fir- all the seasons of Bosch, and I've watched the first 10 episodes of uh, the current season, and uh, they've ended that. But I-, I like the draw. I don't like the use, and this is why I'm I'm making a connection here. This is why I don't like the use of the F word, even though I know it's streaming, it's not on broadcast television, I don't think it adds anything. To me, it doesn't add anything to a show when we use foul language. Can't, can't, isn't it just as dramatic and, and good when they don't use foul language like the F word? I would just like to see them not do it. But that's just me. All right, it's What's On Your Mind Friday, 209-551-3483, Let's uh, go to David and Modesto. David, what's on your mind today? Hello, Mike. Uh, immigration. 
every every time you you see the immigrants on TV, the illegals coming across or be, being shipped from Texas to Washington D.C. Has anyone ever noticed how clean their clothes are? Check their shoes out. These people were told that they walk hundreds of miles and they walk thousands of miles and they show big groups of people and no one seems to be carrying clothes or rolls of toilet paper. It's fake. The whole thing is fake. Our government is lying big time to us. You can't walk hundreds of miles and not get dirty shoes. A lot of these people are wearing sandals. And we're supposed to believe that they're walking through jungles and over rocks and dirt. And it's not happening that way. And they're not catching taxis. They're not taking the (laughs) bus. Big groups of people, the butt of their clothes, the rear ends, no one sits on the ground. You can't walk hundreds of miles without sitting down. And everyone's so clean, like they just got done washing their clothes. It's been like this for a couple of years. Yeah, David, I have have marveled at that. I have looked at that as well. And uh, now, you know, obviously, uh, thanks for the call, David. Good, good, good point there. Things that I've noticed as well. Uh, I think, uh, of course, there are the uh, exceptions to that. We think of the uh, 50 or so people that died in that, uh, in that hot trailer uh, pulled by a, a semi-truck. Uh, you know, obviously, that's a different situation. But I agree with you. In many of the scenes that we see, and I have thought about that, David, quite a bit, gee, they, they look pretty refreshed. They don't look that dirty for having traveled hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles, which leads me to believe that uh, the people who brought them there, the cartels or whoever's doing it, uh, got them there without them having to go through the jungles and all that. So I'm, I'm highly suspicious about that as well. And maybe, maybe they're just uh, getting dressed up and ready to go to New York City or Washington, D.C., or Keokuk, Iowa. Uh, who knows? So what's on your mind Friday on the Mike Douglas Show, 209-551-3483. Back to Modesto we go. Loretta, what's on your mind today, Loretta? I, might, I myself have stopped all medicines I've taken for over 50 years. But now what I'd like to ask, you also know some of this, I believe, with stopping all the medicine, now I've become weak. And I spoke the other day to uh, two different people. One was a one was a guy who's taken narcotics for years, and he states that whenever he doesn't take it, he gets very weak. This is exactly what's happening to me. I can hardly do anything at all. And so I don't know what I can do, but I'm trying to find someone, some doctor's place that does research because these people that take narcotics, lots of them commit suicide and all that kind of stuff. But if we don't take the medicine, isn't there some kind of research on it to find out how they can help people? I don't yeah. know how to explain all this properly. Yeah, Loretta, I, I, I got your drift there. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, doing coursework uh, for a doctor of philosophy in pastoral ministry, but not 
as a doctor of medicine. And so I'm not qualified to answer your question. What I do know uh, from being married uh, 31 years uh, and, and counting uh, with, with my nurse practitioner wife is our bodies do get adjusted uh, to medications. And when those are taking away, there is another adjustment that happens. I'm going to uh, research your question. I don't know if my, my wife is listening. She's actually uh, working right now at a... Uh, a clinic about 45 minutes away. I uh, don't know if she's listening or not, but if she is, maybe she can uh, text me an answer to your question. I will ask her, and uh, hopefully maybe we can have a question uh, answer for you the next weekend. Again, I, I hesitate to uh, make a medical call on that, Loretta. What I do know, talking to my own doctors and some others, is that our bodies get used to, they acclimate to the prescribed medications that we have. And that's why it's important, for example, when we're prescribed with antibiotics and stuff and such, that we take them according to the prescription. Because if we just take uh, if we just take one, it doesn't do the job. Taking the prescribed amount uh, helps the body adjust. That's why the the good physicians out there make a wise uh, prescriptive uh, course here of of how we should take the medicine. I will ask my wife about that, Loretta. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you calling in. Uh, Debbie, stand by. We'll get to you in three minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues on What's on Your Mind Friday on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, back in three minutes. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show as we progress through hour number two today on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on What's On Your Mind Friday, our telephone number 209-551-3483. And let's go to Stanislaus County, and Debbie's been patiently waiting on the phone. Hi, Debbie. What's on your mind today? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I need you more today than I've ever needed you. So please be patient with me. I want to cry, and I'm holding it back, okay? Okay. I made a prediction a long time ago. You have recordings of it. I made the prediction that we were going to have a civil war and it would start in California. I so prayed that it wouldn't be that way. But what I've been getting, the information I've been getting from every single area that I'm able to get it from and believe me i've turned all the pages over we can't ignore it anymore there are people that i've seen on the television i've read it in the paper i i scrutinize everything if it's an article that somebody brings me it doesn't matter i save all this by the way this is not an accident and i pray for november just like you do but i've got this funny thing in my stomach that there's so much that's happened that we should have held the Democrat establishment a long time ago for treason. The people that are on the television are homeless that can't afford the apartments, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter. There are, there are grandmothers that are outside with their grandchildren in their cars. They can't afford. They get their notice for their increase in their, in, in their apartments or their homes or whatever they're renting. This is deliberate. This is an accident. There's no recession. This was man-made. There was no pandemic. That was man-made. I've listened to everybody in detail. I want to be wrong so bad. 
so bad I want to be wrong. Our military are 50% of what they should be and can be because of what this administration has done to them. They're not going to stop. They're never going to stop until they destroy every single American citizen. I firmly believe the good ones, the bad ones, the in-between ones, the American citizens already have people that are going to take their place. These people are coming in by the numbers, but they've been coming in for decades. This didn't just start. They just ramped it up. And all the beautiful people that call into the station and ask the questions about this and this, and they're so rational and so lovely and so polite, I have a hard time with all of it because I want to shout through the phone, we've got to get together and we've got to stop them. The Democrat establishment, I know they don't like me, and it's okay. They have committed treason to this country, and they should have been stopped in the very beginning. But evidently, we don't have enough Republicans that are willing to risk their careers. I guess that's what it is, and careers are about money. That they don't even want to defend our country. We're going to lose our country, Mike. I, I, I well, yeah, let me, let, let, me, uh, let, me, uh, let me respond to you before we hit the bottom of the hour, Debbie, so I, uh, I can respond to some of your points there. I, uh, I agree with you that uh, leaders in California and leaders in uh, Washington, D.C., in the Biden administration and also in the, uh, in the Newsom administration do want to replace what we know as the United States of America as a constitutional republic. I do believe they want to replace it with a uh, form of socialism, whatever that might be. So I agree with you. There, are, I don't think there are any accidents here. I think a lot of this is very intentional. Uh, you look at the intentionality of, uh, of the bills that are being passed in Washington, D.C. Good night. What, we're going to have another, what, 78,000 IRS agents? They're pouring money into that. Uh, in, in the midst of inflation, 9.1%, the highest inflation in, in 40 years, we're spending billions and billions and billions and billions of, of more dollars. We're doing everything that we can to destroy our military. Instead of training them to be fighters, we're training them to make sure that uh, we know how they should address each other with the proper pronouns. Instead of educating our children to be productive members of society, we're teaching them how to change their gender at age, what, five, six, seven. Yeah, a lot a lot of things are upside down, Debbie. And I think when, when you talk about a civil war in California, California. Uh, I, I think there will be a rebellion, but I think it will be political. I don't think it will be violent. I hope it's not. But I think there will be a political rebellion. And that tipping point, I believe, is coming up 95 days from now. And it will show us whether, uh, we're, whether I'm right on that or not. And again, I don't claim to be a prophet, but I do believe that in 95 days, we're going to see a significant indicator of what's going to happen in the future. Again, I don't think it's going to be a light switch that's on or off. It's going to be an indicator, the, uh, the fulcrum upon which our culture balances is going to tip one way or the other, I believe, in November 2022. Right now, there uh, there's no ability 
to counteract some of the horrible things that are being done in the halls of our legislatures uh, in in uh, in California and in Washington D.C. It can't counteract it because there's just a majority of people who are out to destroy capitalism, who are out to destroy the Constitution of the United States of America, who are out to destroy the Judeo-Christian ethic and morals upon which this society was built. It's intentional. I agree with you on that. The question is, what will that—I call it a rebellion, you call it a civil war— I think more of a rebellion. I think it's going to be political, and I think more people are starting to wake up to the wokeism that is happening around them. And I think a lot of that, Debbie, is going to come from the uh, Latino community, and a lot of it's going to come from some very impressive Latina elected officials or officials that are running for elections. They're strong. They have family values. They're bold. They're not afraid to take a stand. I'm, I, I'm hopeful. I really, I, I'm encouraged by that. And again, so uh, Debbie, thanks for your call here on What's On Your Mind Friday. We'll continue with What's On Your Mind coming up in five minutes. 209-551-3483 on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show on What's On Your Mind Friday, our phone number 209 551 3483 what's on your mind friday 209-551-3483 one of our uh, frequent flyer listeners uh, just uh, sent me a message it it was david i believe a few minutes ago talking about immigration and the fact that he he said a lot of these pictures these people seem to have clean clothes and they don't look like they've been traversing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles through jungles and forests and dealing with uh, uh, bears and lions and tigers and oh my. Anyway, he says, could it possibly be that these poor undocumented individuals have been housed and furnished new clothes along with their free spending money and free phones before boarding the buses to the D.C. promised land. Hmm. Well, there's an interesting thought. I, not, in my mind, it's not beyond the realm of, uh, of possibility. Uh, and again, going back to uh, D- David's call about immigration, some interesting comments by Senator Ted Cruz. He was... Uh, I think on the the Hannity show on uh, July 26, I think it was. And he had recently been to the border. Here are some very interesting comments. These these are things that we need to keep up with. I was appalled by what I heard. Uh, So Senator Cruz had visited the border about two weeks before this interview with a, a bunch of other senators. And here's uh, the Senator Cruz's broad brush assessment of what he saw. It is horrific. It is a human tragedy that is playing out on our southern border. So two weeks ago, I brought seven senators down to the southern border. I've been down there many, many times. 
it is the worst I've ever seen it. And he said most of the illegal immigrants they saw were women and children. Most of them were women and children. There were two little girls, both seven years old. Both of them were unaccompanied minors. They didn't have a parent. They didn't have a family member. They weren't sisters, so they were unrelated. They were in this group of adults. The Border Patrol agents we were with, they showed us a patch of grass. It was about 300 yards from where we were, where two weeks earlier they had found two girls, ages five and six, both of whom had been brutally raped right there by the drug cartels, and they provided medical care to these girls who were horribly injured by by these violent criminals. And that was on the U.S. side, apparently. Senator Cruz said this is happening on a consistent basis. Two girls, he said, five and six, brutally raped by the cartels. Five and six years old. Do you hear these stories anywhere on the mainstream media? Do you hear this on CBS, NBC, ABC? Do you hear President Biden talking about this? Do you hear Vice President Kamala Harris talking about this? Do you hear Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi talking about this? Vice President Harris... Kamala Harris, she was tasked with solving this border crisis. Do you hear her talking about this at all? So apparently the cartels are king at our southern border with violence and enforced slavery unchecked and running rampant. On the banks of the Rio Grande, you see littered these these plastic wrist bracelets Virtually every illegal immigrant who crosses the border is wearing a color-coded plastic wrist bracelet. The color corresponds to how many thousands of dollars they owe the cartel. So you got to pay the cartel anywhere between 3000 and for for Chinese illegal immigrants they're paying as much as 50 or 70,000 dollars to come in illegally and you have to pay the cartel. There is 100% operational control of the border. If you try to cross the border on your own, the cartel will kill you. If you try to cross the border yourself, the cartel will kill you. Do you hear anything about this from President Joe Biden? Do you hear anything about this from Vice President Kamala Harris? Do you hear anything about this from the Speaker of the House? Where's the leadership in Washington, D.C.? Well, they're insulated from it, aren't they? So these... Illegal immigrants, and we know now by video from investigative journalists, these illegal immigrants are shipped courtesy of the federal government across the country. We've seen it. We've seen videos of it. We've seen some of these people interviewed. And as Senator Cruz points out, that that nightmare doesn't end for these boys and girls. It is the nightmare for them doesn't end when they get across the border and having been brutalized or sexually assault, assaulted. The nightmare doesn't end there. You might think, I don't live in Texas. I'm not in a border state. I promise you, whatever city you're in, whatever state you're in, you are in a border state because Joe Biden is flying illegal immigrants to your state and the teenage boys, they show up, they owe the Mexican drug cartels thousands of dollars, the way they pay it off. 
is they work for the drug cartels. They're in the employ of these criminal cartels, and the girls have it worse. The girls, horribly, many of them, are trapped in sex slavery. So Senator Cruz further described the future of these boys and girls illegally crossing the border. It's, they're being cast into a nightmare. I'm sure that these little kids could not have imagined when they set out for the border from their homes. You're 15 years old. You're looking north. You're imagining life in America. You're imagining life in freedom. And you end up, your parents agree to pay the cartels, and you, you end up six months later working in a brothel, trapped, where every day you're in sex slavery, trying to pay off your debt. And it's like an old school plantation. They charge the girls for their food, for their room, for their board, for their air conditioning. They charge them $30 to cut off an ankle bracelet. And every day, whatever money they make, they charge them against them, and, and they're just trapped in hell. This is what Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing, and you cannot defend it. It's not humane. It's not compassionate. It is horrific and inhumane and evil. Are you hearing this from Washington, D.C.? Are, are we hearing this from the mass media? Now, if, if you're not already getting a little upset about what you've heard, as I am, what we're about to hear is really maddening. It's frustrating. There's no excuse for it. And it's a major, major, major reason that you and I need to be part of the solution by creating and casting wise, informed votes in 95 days. Now, I'll tell you something the Border Patrol agents told me this time. It's something I've never heard before at the border. They described a phenomenon they're seeing now, which is what they call rape trees, which is the cartels take women over, girls or women, and in the United States, they violently rape them here. And then they hang the girls or the women's underwear in the trees. And so they're trees where they have dozens of women's underwear hanging in them. And, and it's designed to be, it's a trophy, but it's also taunting law enforcement. You can't stop me. And the maddening thing is we can stop them. We know how to stop this. This wasn't happening under Donald Trump. And remember these rapes and rape trees, can you believe that? That taunt law enforcement. It's happening on our side of the border, on the U.S. side of the border. And the Biden administration is doing absolutely nothing to stop it. Senator Cruz talks about Who's at fault here? The reason this is happening is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris care more about the radicals and the open border leftists than they do about protecting the, the, the immigrants who are being murdered. Look, we saw in San Antonio a tractor trailer with 54 people who died of, of heat exposure, children as young as 13, 54 murdered. The body bags under Joe Biden are building up over and over again. We sat down, Sean, with, with ranchers and, and landowners. They showed me picture after picture of illegal aliens they find on their property, pregnant women that the cartels abandon and die. And it's over and over and over again. Last year, we had 100,000, over 100,000 drug overdoses, fentanyl, flowing across the border. The body bags keep adding up. 
And the maddening thing is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Schumer and Pelosi, they could stop this, but they don't want to because it's not in their political interest. Yeah, he's right. It's not in their political interest. Well, I think you and I need to make it in their political interests. Make them accept the political consequences of allowing these horrors to continue. 95 days, we need to send them a message. November 8, 2022, and then again in November 2024. And finally, uh, Senator Cruz sums up the situation and the political realities of what's going on at the border. It's worth focusing for a second on why Biden and Harris won't go to the border. Because if Biden went down to the border, the TV cameras would follow. What they are counting on is the corrupt corporate media refusing to tell people, look, your viewers know about the crisis of the border. If you watch CNN, if you're one of the six people in the country that watches CNN, if you watch MSNBC or or, or the networks, you don't know this is happening. They're counting on the corrupt corporate media to disappear it. And that's why they won't go, because they want to hide this. This is indefensible if you see what they're doing. So, does this move you at all? Does this touch you at all? Does this evoke any emotional response in you? 209 Three four eight three. Let's talk about it in three minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thirteen sixty KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. And let's get going back on what's on your mind Friday here on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Our phone number two zero nine. Five five one three four eight three, and we'll go down the road a piece to Turlock. Roger, welcome. And what's on your mind today, Roger? Yeah, I'm responding and uh, to your comment about um, uh, um, people at the ballot box, and it actually happened where Californians voted conservative a couple years ago. There were a lot of ballots on the picket and a bunch of them Californians voted conservative for instance one of them was regarding affirmative action and a number of others but what happens is for instance with uh, the recall of Newsom he it was a tight race and then he told Californians he was going to give them money before and after the election so he basically bought their votes the same thing happened in Georgia the two Senate seats um, Trafalgar, who's very accurate, did a poll, and the Republicans were ahead. But then the Democrats said, oh, yeah, vote for us, and we'll have enough seats to get you 2000 per family. And not only the family members in Georgia, but all your relatives in the other country or throughout the rest of the country. So they basically buy votes. They basically tell people, we're going to tax certain people and take their money, and then we're going to give it to you. So they basically – uh, America is a conservative country, but strategically, the Democrats buy votes, and that's how they win the elections. And now Newsom's doing the same thing with uh, some type of uh, money he's going to give Californians to help with gas. Rather than reduce the gas tax so we can keep our money, he's going to take the money from us and then 
like Robin Hood. He's going to give us uh, some of that back and be a hero, and people don't see through it. And so they're going to vote for him at the cost of freedom and liberty. And, uh, you know, and unfortunately, if, uh, the Democrats just expand corruption. And that's how they win the elections, by buying votes. Very clear and simple. Well, I think They've you have done it for decades. I think you have an excellent point, uh, Roger, and uh, I think a lot of that has to do with superficial thinking. Uh, people don't think through; they they don't think too deeply about who they're voting for and why. It's all uh, so much of it is very uh, uh, self-centered, uh, narcissistic. May I use that word? And they're not thinking about what's good for the country, what's good for the future of our children, our grandchildren, what, what's good for the future of, of my area, my city, my community. They don't think that deeply. Let me ask you a quick question here, Roger, before we let you go. For uh, Republicans, I don't think their messaging here in California has been optimal, let me put it that way, in past elections. What do you think conservative, true conservative Republicans need to do in order to get people focused on things that make a difference. What do they need to do in terms of changing their message? Well, I I know um, choice in education is a very important issue, and they try to uh, convey that message, but unfortunately it's drowned out by the mainstream media. But uh, we can have uh, – they want to – the Democrats want to promote choice for aborting babies, but no choice for um, – education, you know, uh, freedom to take your kids to the school of your choice. So a lot of the Californians are stuck, their children are stuck in schools that are second grade education with uh, choice of education, for instance, voucher systems, they'd be able to uh, have take their kids, send their kids to higher quality school, advance their education. And that would be of great benefit, but unfortunately, that message is drowned out by the mainstream, and they never talk about it. But can you? I can only imagine what a difference it would make in all the families in California if they literally had a choice of what school to send their kids, and their dollars could follow them. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Education, a, a big deal. Roger, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate that very much here on What's on Your Mind Friday. 209-551-3483. Uh, as Roger was, was talking and we were uh, talking, uh, focusing on messaging, that's a, that's a crucial issue. And one of the challenges is that many folks who think very superficially, who are just swayed by the fact that, oh, I'm, I'm going to be promised more money for me or for my community, and so I'm going to vote for this person. Uh, they're, they're not thinking strategically. So how do, how, how do we get messages to them so that they have an alternative point of view, at least to think about it's tough because many aren't listening to programs like this. Many are, are, if they're reading, they're reading the New York times or, uh, the LA times, or they're reeking, uh, they're uh, reading local newspapers that many of which are, are very woke in their uh, particular uh, orientations. And so they're getting only one kind of message. 
Uh, I know I have talked to people in the past, and this was during uh, the 2020 election, and I, I could not get them to believe some things that were happening. Well, that's that's just that's just you Republicans making stuff up. I said, well, could, would you be willing to research it? No, no. Orange man, bad. That's all I know. Don't like him. Okay, don't like it. Do you like the policies? Do you like the fact that we're energy independent? Do you like the the low inflation rate? Do you like the jobs picture? Do you like the the fact that China and and Russia seem to be a little bit worried about Donald Trump? Do you like that? No, I don't like him. That wasn't my question. My question was... What about the policy? What what are you seeing right now that you don't like? Do you not like being energy independent? Well, that's that's I I I just don't want to deal with him. He's a bad man, and it doesn't make any difference, my friends, who it is. Uh, I know some of you are saying, "Please, Donald Trump, don't run in twenty twenty four. It doesn't matter, my friends. In my opinion. Let's say it's uh, Governor Ron DeSantis who runs in 2024. They will attack him the same way they attack Trump. They will attack anyone who's not their own, and they will attack to destroy. They, they will not enter into a debate. They will, not, they will enter into whatever they need to do. The woke culture will do whatever they need to do to destroy the other side. Lie, fake FISA warrants, you name it. Have phony hearings, you name it. They will do it to destroy whomever it is. That's why we need to influence our spheres of influence. 95 days, my friend. 95 days. All right. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for visiting with me here 3 to 5 p.m. So much appreciate that friendship with you and your listenership. See you Monday at 3, Power Talk 1360, KFIV.